I'm Robin Douglas, and you're tuned into the Backyard Pet Talk with Shannon Riley Corner podcast. Hi, Robin. It's great to see you today. Good morning. Um, super excited to talk about Roger. As you and I know, he has separation anxiety, but our <laughs> listeners um, don't know about that. And since separation anxiety is becoming such a big part of our world right now, as people are going back to work and their dogs are home without their people. Um, I don't think people all really understand what's involved with separation anxiety and what it takes to treat it and how exhausting it can be as an owner to have a dog with separation anxiety and how rewarding it can also be when you do help them get through some of the struggles. So first, I'd like to just kind of get a little history so that our listeners know, because I know all about Roger, but they don't. <laughs> when did you adopt Roger and where? And tell us a little bit about that story. I adopted Roger a little over three and a half years ago. I had lost the dog I had about four months before that, and I was really missing having a dog. And so and the, the dog I had before had a little bit of anxiety. And so I was actually kind of aware of that when I was choosing which makes it really hilarious that I ended up with a dog whose anxiety is so much more severe than Daisy's ever was. But I, uh, I went to meet him. I had seen him online and I went to meet him. And the rescue agency I had gone with had a program where you could take a dog home for a couple of nights and see how you gelled. If everything seemed good, you could come back and do the final paperwork. So we did that. And it just so happened that I had vacation time from work. I had three days off. So, um, you know, the, it wasn't smooth and we came home, but that he's a new dog. This is an, I'm a new person. This is a new home. So, but you know, we went through those regular things, but I didn't see separation anxiety at all until day four when I had to go to work. And I went, well, I don't know how it's going to go, but we're going to have to try it. And so I set up everything for Roger like I used to always do for Daisy. We had the, the dog door was open so he could go out to the backyard and the TV on so he would have company. He had treats. He had access to everything. And I had set it up that a friend of mine would go and check on him about three hours after I had left for work. I figured we're, we're just going to have to see how it goes. So and. And that very first day, <laughs> it was very obvious we had a big problem. <laughs> and had the rescue mentioned anything about, you know, his behavior to you at all, about being left alone or anything like that? No, uh, no. And he had been there for four months. Roger's story was he had been in a home. He had been, I was told that he had been surrendered to a shelter and then I don't know how long he was in the shelter, but this rescue organization is one that goes to the shelters and gets all the dogs. Um, so then he was he was with the rescue organization for four months, so they would have had time to get to know him. They told me some little things that he did, but they never said this dog has anxiety or and I, I always have wondered if they didn't know if the people there it was, you know, some, some young women, I don't know if they had any training that they would have recognized it or if they truly didn't know, or if they just didn't want to tell me, I don't know. But he had been taken home by another family and brought back. I don't know how long he was with them, but they said it had something to do. He has a, as you know, a very high pitched, intense bark. 
<laughs> that can be relentless. Um, and that was part of the separation anxiety. So I'll, I'll tell everybody else, since they don't know the story and haven't seen the pictures, that first day that I left him on his own, when my friend came uh, to check on him, she called me and I'm like, so how is he? He's like, she's like, let me send you a picture. Um, in the three hours I had been gone, apparently he must have tried to follow where he saw me leave out the back door to go in the garage. He had completely ripped out four or five feet of carpeting, completely ripped it up and shredded all the padding that was underneath. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I had a crate, but I had left him in the house. And so I said, okay, well, he, he can't stay out the rest of the day. So could you please put him in the crate? So when I got home that night, um, I, I worked a short day and then I came home as soon as I could. He was in his crate and quiet, but he'd been pulling all the carpet out with his teeth that he could reach that was next to the crate. And from there, it was like, it was only more and more every day. And it got to a point, oh, it, so, it's so stressful for me to even think about how bad it was because he, he I videotaped a couple of times and, and you've seen that footage because a lot of people I was doing reading about separation anxiety and how can I help this dog? And a lot of things are saying, you know, they're, they're upset for the first few minutes after you leave. And then they calm down. And I wanted to see if that was true. And my system would let me record for up to two hours at a time. For the entire two hours, he was not calm for one single minute. He was in there panting and freaking out. He's barking relentlessly. He's ripping up towels or blankets or padding, whatever I had in there. Every day I had to put new things because everything was completely shredded. He was grabbing the bars of the crate with his mouth and shaking it so hard he was moving it across the floor and he was hurting his teeth. And this is when I, I called the vet because I wanted her to check him. Like he loosened teeth and broke some teeth and, you know, very quickly. So at any point, did you consider that you would take him back to the rescue? You know, not, not seriously. I think in moments of real frustration, I thought, I don't know how I can do it. I don't know how I can keep going. But, but honestly, seriously, no, I, I don't think it's in me to do that. My professional background, as you know, is in, is in early childhood education. And, and I'm not saying dogs are the same as people, but, but some things work similarly. It's the same, just like I've experienced severe separation anxiety in children. And, and I also know that Children can only bond to so many primary caregivers. You can't have them attach to people and break that and attach and attach and that they'll keep trusting and going back. And I had to assume it was the same for a dog. And so, you know, I really thought, okay, he's had a home. He's been to a shelter. He's been to the rescue. He's been to another home. He's come to my home. I, I, I don't, in good conscience, I can't take him back. I, I don't know that he would keep bonding to people. I can't do it. I have to keep going. And then, so what was the next step that you did? You know, once you decided, okay. you knew we needed had an issue. Oh my you gosh. You knew yes. that you needed help because yeah. you couldn't do this all by yourself. What was your And I was step? trying to do things, um, you know, it's like for the first few weeks, it's like either I was going home at lunch every day and I was working short days and trying to finish my day from home and, 
And, you know, luckily I had a job where I had some flexibility to do that. I had arrangements with a friend. She was coming over when I couldn't. She was staying with him sometimes so he wouldn't have long days in his crate. I'm doing research online. I'm trying Thunder shirts. I'm trying pheromone products. I'm trying everything in the aisle, in the anxiety aisle at PetSmart. And we're not, it's not better. I, thought, well, I can't do this long term. So um, I called my vet and made an appointment you know, one, so we could just get a checkup and make sure, you know, he was good and he was healthy. I wanted her to check his, his mouth and his teeth, but also to talk with her about this and see if she had other resources she could recommend, which she did. And you were one of them that you were somebody they knew had expertise in working with dogs with behavioral issues. And a friend of mine had also recommended you. I thought that's two times I've heard. It's like, okay, I'm calling. But she also asked if I wanted to try medication, which I hadn't really thought about prescription medication. I didn't really know that was an option. And she offered it and I thought, why wouldn't I try it? So, so we did and I'm glad we started relatively soon because just like with people, it, it took a little, you know, trying of things. It's like trying medications. Um, and trying dosages to find what would, what would help him. Do you um, think the medication was a game changer? Oh my gosh, yes. Mm -hmm. Because he couldn't calm down at all. And even when I was home, <laughs> you nickname him Velcro dog. But it was true. Even when I was home, it's like he'd be outside. When he would go outside on his own in the backyard, then um, he'd stick his head back in. It's like, are you still there? Are you still there? And in the beginning, it was every few seconds, 20 seconds, he'd check. Are you still there? Are you still there? If I go into the garage, he had to follow me. He'd sit right next to me. He really hated it. When I take a shower, he didn't know where I went. That was very upsetting. It, this was like all day, every day. This was a lot. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't calm himself down enough for us to really be able to work with him and teach him any other coping techniques or build any other you know, confidence in him. And so... We ended up seeing you. I went back through my email to find uh, it. Yeah. How long was it after? Our first meeting was like exactly two months after I had brought him home. So by the time we saw you for the first time, I think he'd been on meds for about two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the medications like trazodone. Medication was a big game changer. For it absolutely was. So we, we were, um, we, he, Roger had been on medication about two weeks the first time we saw you. So it was really just kicking in. Oh, because I started to say some of the medications like Xanax and um, Acepromazine and Trazodone, they take effect right at the time that you give it. But there's other medications that you've got to be on for a couple of weeks before you really see a difference. And so, you know, it took a while you know, to start to see that difference. But, um, but yeah, without that, he wouldn't have been calm enough for us to work with him. When you first started working with me, you know, obviously you found me through your friend and mm -hmm. through the vet, Yeah. but what were you kind of expecting? You know, when, did you have any expectations for private training sessions or were you just going into a blind? I mean, I, I don't know that I had expectations. I, I was just going in with a hope that with a hope that you could help us. Because, I mean, I was, it had already been so much. And like I said, it had only been eight weeks. I couldn't imagine being able to keep up that kind of a schedule. And especially not being able to work the full day I should have been working. Just how much energy and time it was taking to just support Roger. 
I couldn't have pictured doing that for years. Yeah. So <laughs> would you, so you would say the private trainings were, you know, beneficial for Roger. And what about you? How were they, have they been beneficial for you and Roger? Oh my gosh, I, I, definitely for both of us. And I think, you know, you're, you're emphasizing private trainings. I've never taken Roger to a group training. The, the, main thing you wanted to talk about today was separation anxiety and that was certainly his biggest issue but especially as we started to work with you and you started hearing about what it was like you know just life with roger you went you know what he's also got some other kind of general anxiety a little bit and um it was clear he was not well socialized because he didn't get along with other dogs he was scared of people he didn't know um i tried taking him to dinner with a really good friend of mine. We're like, where could we go with Roger? And cause I couldn't leave him alone at night to go out anywhere with friends. And so we went to the patio at lazy dog restaurant where they allow well-behaved dogs. Um, <laughs> and, and that did not go well. We were sitting in the corner with him up against a wall so he could be as protected as he could be. We were many feet from any other tables of people or dogs and he could see another dog about 15 feet away and couldn't stop barking mm -hmm. and we really couldn't even get through a whole dinner because because it was disruptive to to the other people who were there and we had to leave um so Which is, so you clearly you know with this separation anxiety it's yeah. not just affected roger but it yeah. also has affected you and, oh, your, and your life yeah plans. And I, and I couldn't imagine that we could have taken him to a group class because there were other dogs there and other people and he doesn't like those. So I, I think, you know, private training was really the only option I could see working for us. And the other thing was I, I have been blown away at how much you've been able to customize everything for us, um, which I know you wouldn't get in a group setting, um, that, that you consider not only Roger, Roger's, you know, level of progress, Roger's development, Roger's personality, but also, you know, my work schedule. Um, when I, I recently retired and you knew my, my schedule would be changing and um, things that were going on in my life. You know, we, we were training you with you during a period of time when I was helping take care of my mom when she was really ill. And, you know, it's like you would consider what could we realistically do in a day because, you know, you, you understood if you said, okay, what Roger really needs is two hour hike, which he wouldn't, but, uh, <laughs> but if you'd said that there would be absolutely no way I could have done that, if, yeah, you know, with everything I was juggling. And so you were able to really consider what could we do? Yeah. When you're dealing with, you know, it's stressful having a separation anxiety dog yeah. and, or, or any general anxiety dog. And and, you know, to add more stress to your plate isn't going to help anybody, you know, so really finding that, that media, that, you know, happy medium that meets mm -hmm. your needs and his as well. Well, because I totally get it. It's, it doesn't matter what we do there with you once a month. If we're not able to continue at home and practice, it's not going to get better. So it's, it, it wouldn't have benefited anybody, you know, to send us home with exercises and routines we couldn't do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Would you say that the training has helped improve your bond with Roger? I would say that because, um, you know, again, it's just like working with children. It's like when you, when you understand where the behavior is coming from, you go, this isn't personal. This is about development. Um, 
and the same. It's like I, I understand. It's like the behaviors he's doing. This isn't about me or whether he likes me or whether he's bonded to me. His behaviors are, are about other things. Um, so I, think I don't that's take an, it personally. I think that's such a, um, you know, something that's so important for people to realize that sometimes when dogs are reactive or fearful or anxious, separation or otherwise anxious, you know, sometimes they take it personally and like mm-hmm. they did something wrong or if their dog is aggressive or reactive to other dogs or people, you know, other people will even target them and like, well, what did you do? What did you do to them to make them this way? And, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just genetic. Sometimes it's lack of socialization. Sometimes it's trauma, you know, but, you know, by not taking it personally, it really allows you to help your dog even better because you can see what needs they have. And then working with something, you know, you can't all be one side or other. It can't be all about him or all about you. It definitely has to be something you guys are working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I didn't say this in the beginning, but um, I think Roger was about four years old when I adopted him. That's what the paperwork said. And from like um, recently behavioral changes, I'd say, yeah, I think he's a young senior dog now. I think that's about right. But And so I don't know all the details of the life he had before me. And so I don't know where some of these behaviors have come from. But Exactly. It kind of doesn't matter. It's like the cause doesn't matter. We just have to work with the behaviors he has now. Yep. And he's made such an incredible amount of progress. What are some of the other improvements you've seen besides obviously he, you know, can be left alone a little bit more now and, you know, he's not on as many medications and things, but what are some other improvements that you've noticed? Well, I mean, another thing about him that, that you saw the very first day was it seemed like no one had ever taught him anything. Um, he did not answer to his name and I, well, all right. I, I, he would have had this name. I don't know if it was always Roger, but he was had this name at least several months. He didn't respond to that. I bought him different kinds of toys and he didn't play with anything. I remember this is funny now cause he's so motivated by, by puzzle toys where he gets treats, but I bought just a simple ball that was half clear plastic that he could see the treats inside. And I put it down right in front of him and he just looked at it and he didn't even attempt to play with it. I got, I remember a tree that had little squirrels he could pull out. I got different kinds of things because I didn't know what kind of toys he liked. He didn't play with anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, now he didn't it's... even know how to play. He didn't know how <laughs> no. to learn. And what I tell people sometimes is some of these dogs, they have to learn how to learn before yeah. you can actually make progress in other things, mm-hmm. which is where the medication also helps a lot because it calms them down so they can be in a better learning state rather mm-hmm. than trying to, you know, just bypass that. Cause if they're super stressed, they can't learn. Yep. So you have to reduce that stress, but sometimes it's teaching them that their behavior has a consequence, a positive consequence in this situation. So, mm-hmm. you know, when he has, you know, plays with the toy, he has a positive consequence that a piece of food falls out, you know? And so they have to learn that their actions have consequences. And with these dogs really, you know, making their, their behaviors that are positive have a positive consequence and then just ignoring behaviors we don't really like so that they start to focus more on the positive consequences. A lot of these dogs really do. They need to learn that their consequences have a reward, um, you know, that they, if they play with a toy, the food comes out that mm-hmm. they have to learn to learn, you know, they don't even know that their consequence, that their behavior can have a consequence, positive Mm -hmm. or negative. But in this case, we're going to look at, 
you know, rewarding the behaviors we like, giving them a positive consequence for things we like and mm-hmm. ignore things we don't really like with the hopes that they are motivated to do more of the things we like. Yeah. You know, in oh some Oh my people- gosh, in the beginning the the first homework we had was the simplest things the the um exercises we were doing were just trying to get him to respond to his name and and touch my hand with his nose. <laughs> and anything that looked remotely like a sit if he lowered his bottom to the ground even a little. But you, you were that's I learned that word shaping if he was shaping at all if he's lowering his bottom at all we go we'll consider that a success and we'll give him a treat and trying um red barn and cream cheese and peanut butter and everything to see what treats he responded to the most what were the high value treats for him yeah and they really need that and that shaping can just build confidence so much Mm -hmm. because then he's like oh i did a little thing and i got rewarded oh i'm gonna be braver and have more confidence to do a little more thing and a little more thing and you know and it but it does take a lot of time i mean so this is i mean now it's like thinking about where he started it is i never stopped you know, being amazed by it, because as you know, now he's so good at puzzle toys. We've had to get harder and harder ones because almost everything I'll, I'll get, he can solve the first time. We've had to go to very hard puzzles to get things that are a challenge for him. And this um, is a dog that could barely yeah. lick out of a Kong when you started. Yeah. Like yeah. when Eamon couldn't like, what, uh, what? I have to search for treats on the floor. What? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that. So. Oh, this is, uh, I laughed the most. Last summer, we were working with boxes. Um, you had, had uh, suggested that. It's like putting treats inside of boxes. So I was flipping the boxes upside down, making it harder to get in. So the last time um, we tried it, I had like two smaller boxes with treats inside, wrapped in paper, in boxes that were upside down, jammed in a bigger box, out on the back patio. And I videoed him solving that puzzle. And he had pulled all the boxes out and gotten all the treats and taken the um, the chicken chewy stick inside in 42 seconds. I'm like, yeah, we're out. <laughs> it's fun to watch him now, you know, <laughs> so much more driven, so much more confidence, mm-hmm. so much more willing to try things, you know, like before he walked around, it felt like in fear all the time, you know, everything was going to be scary. And now mm-hmm. he has just so much more confidence in general in his life. Yeah. You know, obviously he's not a hundred percent, you know, perfect, uh, but you know, none of us are perfect, but what is something that you would say is still a struggle for Roger? Well, I think we're still, we're still working on building up the time that he can be alone. And, um, you know, compared to where we were, where I couldn't leave this house for a second, he is able to stay on his own at home for, we've gone up to three hours. It's like, we'll see if we can push over three hours now, but but not only three hours, but on so much less medication than he used to take. And I think that's another thing for people to know if they're worried about considering medication. When we started, he needed a lot, um, a lot, especially for a dog that size. I was surprised. And I, and I mean, you would, if you had seen him on the amount of medication he was on, if I told you how much medication I was giving him, you'd go, well, isn't he just passed out? No. He yeah. wasn't. For um, those people it, who, who know anything about medication, you know, just briefly, you know, he was on Clomacom. I mean, full doses of these things, Clomacom, Trazodone, Xanax, and including even Acepromazine when you were uh, had to leave him yeah. alone because mm-hmm. 
even though he was on all these anxiety medications, he was still really stressed. And, and these were all, and that's including, he was also on calm, you know, the supplements of the calming supplements. We were doing Adaptal, the pheromones, you know, he was on, you know, everything. And, um, you know, obviously the first thing we tried to get him off of, which we were successful at was the ACE promazine. Yes. It really doesn't have, it was just to keep him from totally losing his mind. That's true. The, the, the ACE promazine, that's a sedative. It's not doing anything except making him sleep. Yeah. So we were able to eliminate that completely a long time ago. Yes. And, but I remember when you came to me, I mean, Mm -hmm. I was both shocked and amazed, you know, shocked that a veterinarian was willing to do this medication, first of all. And the fact that he was on so much, I knew it meant it was a serious case. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I was not afraid of the medication and I knew our goal was to reduce it, but I also knew he needed it at that time. And, and, you know, over time, it's been, you know, we found that the Xanax wasn't as effective as the Trazodone, which is not always the case because every dog in these situations, just like every person is so different on what mm-hmm. works for them. Yep. So, so now he's able to stay up to three hours with, what do I want to say, with 25 milligrams of Trazodone, uh, it's a half a tablet and a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of Xanax, which will be the next thing we've talked about removing which we're about ready to try and see if we can, because it's like I'm down to an eighth of a tablet. It's so, t- so little. Yes. It's very hard to divide them. But, and, um, and, you know, one thing yeah. too, as you and I've discussed, and, and I think this is important, if someone's listening that has a dog with separation anxiety that maybe is trying trazodone, that we really found that the night before dose. So if you knew you were going to leave him the night before, you mm-hmm. know, like you knew you were going to leave him tomorrow morning, tonight you would give him trazodone and tomorrow morning, because that overnight yeah. dose definitely made a difference. When we tried to just give it an hour before without the preloaded dose the night before, he just yeah. didn't do as well. It's true. He actually did better having a quarter tablet at night and a quarter tablet in the morning than he did having a half a tablet in the morning. But now I don't have to give even the night dose anymore. There was a time for for quite a while now, Roger's been going to daycare in the day, but that was stressful for him at first too. He goes to daycare in the day and then several days a week, and then he'd be at home a couple of days. And on those days, I, I leave him alone for a few hours. So he keeps practicing doing that. And we build up the time he can be on his own. But I used to have to give him the trazodone every day to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he doesn't take any any medication to go to daycare. He's on he's on Clomacom, which is one of those ones that takes time. You have to do it consistently. So that's that's our goal is maybe one day he could only be taking that and nothing else. Exactly. But he's he's down to such a small amount of medication to be left on his own. So I'm, I'm hoping to continue building that time and pulling the medications out until, you know, maybe one day he wouldn't need anything to be at home on his own. The other thing is, um, and you, and you um, mentioned it, is it takes about an hour when I give him Trazodone or Xanax, it takes about an hour for that to be fully in effect before I go. As you know, there was a morning, there was a Sunday morning last year my phone rang and it was the Ventura police. I used to own a small business in town and they called and said, your business has been broken into. Can you come down? At the, the detectives are standing in your store. And I immediately would, if my thought went to, uh, what do I need to do for Roger? Because I live on my own with just Roger. And I went, well, I could be there in a little over an hour. And they're like, you can't come now? I... <laughs> 
I cannot do anything spontaneously. I have to build time in my schedule to give him medication and let that take effect. And I think that that's, you know, something that people I don't think recognize all the time when you have these severely Mm -hmm. anxious dogs that, you know, are severely have severe separation anxiety. You don't get to live a spontaneous life at all because you really have to pre-plan. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something I don't think, I don't even think you recognized how serious that was when this. I really didn't. I, cause I just, I just got used to it that I, I had a a pretty planned life anyway. I was, um, at one point I had a full-time job. I had a couple of part-time jobs. (laughs) I was working a lot and my, my, my routine was very planned. And so I didn't recognize it until that unusual situation came up, but that really made me think about other things that could be an emergency that we would have to react to more quickly. And how could we manage that? Yeah, exactly. So that's something that you and I talk about and try and work on. Exactly. And, and something that the audience should know just out of curious, because they might be wondering about daycare is Roger does daycare at my house with me and um, my, he loves my dogs. They're his best friends Mm -hmm. and he loves my assistant, Melissa. And, you know, we, and whenever I, if I have a new employee, we actually have to take time because he gets nervous around new people, but, but we do that. He's comfortable with my kids. So and he, but he adjusts so much more quickly to new people at your house than he used to. For sure. Uh, it and, shows me how much progress he's made. And it's important for people to know too, that, you know, when they think about daycare, because daycares can be anything, it's not yeah. a, there aren't 60 dogs. There aren't, you know. We have, you know, four or five dogs plus he, and he doesn't really hang out with most of those dogs, mostly my dogs. Um, Sometimes we'll find a a match for him with somebody else, but it's very specialized because putting him in a place of 60 dogs would just be overwhelming. And then we would go backwards in our progress. So since since he wasn't socialized with other dogs early on, you know, that I, I think that's probably the area he's made the least progress is he has made progress, but not to that extent that he could just be with any dog. In fact, it's so funny because when you said, was I aware of his behavioral issues before adopting him? I wasn't. But with how much I've learned about anxiety and separation anxiety and what those things look like from working with you, now it's like in my mind, I can picture when I met him, I can picture that setting. It's like there were about 12 or 15 dogs that were playing and running around and clamoring for attention. And there were other people there seeing dogs. And Roger was curled up on a bed in the back of this space, taking a nap. And I thought, oh, he's taking a nap. And now I think about that and go, no, he was avoiding the other dog. Yeah, he was in freeze. I just didn't get it. Or mm-hmm. flight, you know, he yeah. was definitely, um, you know, flooded by all the, you know, fear. So so when the, the, um, the, the staff who were working at the rescue agency, they knew I came specifically to meet Roger. So they went and got him. They took us to another little, quiet, tiny room that was very calm and it was just us. And it's like, of course he did so much better because that was a a much calmer environment. Yeah, (laughs) I had no idea about these other issues, but now I see it. And even the very first picture that I saw of him online, I look at his eyes and go, oh buddy, because I can see it now, but I didn't see it then. Exactly. So as we wrap up, is there any (laughs) other thing you would like to share with our audience today? Um, yes, I think the one important thing for people to know is if you've you know, gotten this from our story is this is a process that takes time. If you're thinking like, you know, two or three sessions with Shannon, it's going to be all better. No, um, this is 
he's Roger's made an incredible amount of progress and our life is so much more manageable it's really worthwhile he's such a sweet dog and I I just love him to bits you know we're very bonded but it's it, not a, it's not an overnight and there's no it's, it's, it's taken a lot of time and so you know it's I know in this time when people have been home with their dogs and if they're like not taking it seriously it's like you could develop separation anxiety it's like do what you can to avoid that because you don't want to have to go through this process if you don't have to and just know it's going to take time and it's going to depend on the effort that you put in because if you no matter what shannon you know can give you to do if you don't do it at home if she tells you you have to leave and leave them on their own you need to do certain things you really have to follow through or it's not going to get better yeah and but, prevention but really is prevention is the best medicine as with everything if you can yeah. help it and even though in this case we have a quote unquote magic pill. It really isn't a magic pill. The medications yeah. works in conjunction with all the behavior modification that you have done at home. Too. It does. The, the medication on its own, it doesn't help the rest of his life. It allows me to leave, but it doesn't help him with other things. It doesn't necessarily help him have a happier life. The other training that we've done about, you know, it's like we've, we've done I built little equipment for him. I made little hurdles. He goes through a tunnel. He goes over hurdles. He does, uh, you know, he plays these games with boxes and other kinds of toys. I can see how happy those things make him. It's like if I'm working on my computer for too long or watching TV, it's like he'll jump up and come around in front of me with a face that says, what are we going to do now? It's like, that's what I can see, you know, what's giving him the happy life. Yeah. It's not just medication, but medication is such an important tool, but it, it was everything. It's been everything together. And even, you know, I thought at first when the pandemic happened and I transitioned to working from home, I thought he'd be happy that I was home all the time. And at the end of about the second week, he was starting to get depressed. Mm -hmm. And it was because he wasn't getting to play at your house and see your dog. <laughs> Exactly. And we definitely, I know he was having to still do daycare even when you were home every day. We were. We, we had to figure out what was a safe way that we could give him at least a couple of days playing with the other dogs. We were doing non-content hacked, you know, handoffs mm -hmm. with masks and hand sanitizer in your driveway so that he could play with the dogs. But, but it made a huge difference. such a better life. It oh, absolutely sure. did. For absolutely sure. did. For sure. So... Well, Robin, thank you so much for sharing your story of Roger because um, Roger, you know, is one of those, you know, pretty severe separation anxiety yeah. cases, which I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of these after everybody goes back to work with COVID and, um, you know, just being candid about what it takes to, you know, work with these dogs because um, they're not easy, but it can be rewarding and they have anxiety just like us. And so, mm -hmm. you know, trying to help them the best way we can. And with whatever resources and it doesn't involve punishment and it doesn't involve, you know, hurting them. It just involves figuring out how we can build up that confidence and that security to be left alone and decrease that anxiety. So thank you for taking this time to, to talk with me about Roger, because he is a special, he has a special place in all of our hearts here at Ventura Pet Wellness and with Truly Force Free. So he's a, he's a sweet boy. Okay. Um, well, Robin, thank you so much for sharing your story with you and Roger today. I know that this can help a lot of people with people dealing with going back to work and maybe their dogs have separation anxiety already or people who are getting puppies on 
the importance of preventing this from separation anxiety, because it is such a difficult thing to overcome. And, you know, you need medications, but you need the training, you need the behavior modification. It all has to go together. And you've done an amazing job. And Roger has such a special place in our hearts here at Venture Pet Wellness and Dog Training Center, as well as with Truly Force Free Animal Training. It is something that, you know, I just really hope that this talk today helps people understand that it's it's a, a process and you, you know, you got to be in it and to be patient with their dogs and have empathy and compassion because it's the only way you can get through this. Well, and you know, one thing I'll add to that is, and the trainer that you work with makes all the difference. I mean, you know, Shannon, we, we joke around, always say she's such an important part of Team Roger. It's like all the people <laughs> we work with are part of Team Roger because we're all rooting for him, but, but we couldn't have done this without you. And I can't imagine that another trainer could have done this much for us. So well, thank you. You know, I appreciate I, I, that. I'm so grateful to you because I can't imagine my life without Roger either. Yeah, it is. And, and it really takes, you know, uh, it, and like you said, it's team effort. It is working with the veterinarians. I mean, we have vets that work with us and work with me and you and so that we can do the best for Roger. Um, you and I work together. Sometimes we, if, if we have to bring in, you know, a neurologist, we had to bring in a neurologist. We've had to bring in, you know, we all have to be willing to work together. It so is, grateful. I feel like it's, you know, a trainer has to be able to understand where the client, the human is coming from, as well as a dog. And if you don't have both of those in this situation, there'll be frustration. And, yeah. and I have a good relationship with the veterinarians that we work with. So that mm -hmm. helps. So they trust me and I trust them. And then we can work together when we need to make changes. So it is, it's teamwork and my staff needs to understand and anybody who interacts with him, if to make it a positive experience for him. So yeah, it was great. It's great. So, well, thanks again, Robin, so much. And thank you for um, being patient through all of our technical difficulties that we have had today. I can't wait until I get to see Roger later today.